So we went from Renaissance to plethora. A plethora? Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was just going to say, I a think. Because <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, I think the, the people who say Renaissance just want to say the word Renaissance so they that's mm-hmm. their excuse to use it. Yeah. And I think you just did the exact same thing with the word plethora. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just I'll, wanted to I'll put admit. that out there. Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. All right. Should we, should we get a move on? Let's do it. All right. So. Patrick, welcome back to the Design Much podcast, the podcast you listen to to level up your design game one bite-sized skill at a time. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here again. Yeah, it's, I'm glad to have you back. <laughs> it's, been, it's, been a, it's been a while, Patrick. It it's, has been a, a few weeks. Yeah, we're, we're done with our, our really long winter break, um, and we're, we're back now. Yeah, winter was here. Well, winter hasn't officially arrived here in Utah. There is still no snow. Yeah, this is we're still in um in autumn right now. Yeah, it was like fifty degrees yesterday. Yeah, it's great. I am for it. Um, <laughs> but but today, Patrick, we um we want to talk about how to learn new design tools. How does a designer learn something new in terms of a tool? And we talked um, with our our guest Danan Clark specifically about learning the design tool of Framer. Mm, he's been learning uh, this last year. He's been diving into Framer a lot more. There's like a ton of design tools out there, mostly like in prototyping too. Mm-hmm. Like some people say, there's a renaissance of design tools. <laughs> renaissance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, nerd, yeah, renaissance. But no, like there's a lot. There's a there's a plethora of design tools out there that you can use to do all kinds of things, right? And so mm-hmm. part of that is like figuring out which design tool would work best. Some design tools work better for other people, uh, other projects, that kind of stuff. How how do you like before we get into the interview with Dana and, and kind of dive into Framer from your perspective? Like, how often are you using new tools? You know, I'm not using um, new tools super often, but I do like to dabble in different tools to see like what you know what is different about this tool, and maybe what could I use from this tool that's not part of you know what I use normally. Like, you know, using my standard tools of sketch and envision to get my job done. Is there something else out there that I could use that could maybe have a little bit more functionality and make me think of things in a different way? Mm-hmm. So I do like to kind of play with that a little bit um, here and there, but um, I don't take a ton of time to try to really deep dive and learn something um, more than actually just getting what I need to get done. Yeah. One with a design tool, like, especially with more design tools, like when I went from using Photoshop to sketch, I was really skeptical of using sketch because I was like, well, I'm going to waste a bunch of time trying to use sketch and I'm really comfortable in Photoshop. And uh, I got burned diving into fireworks <laughs> a long time ago, which is a great tool for, for doing user experience design and app design, interface design. And then they just kind of abandoned it. Right Then I was forced to go learn a new tool, which is not the greatest environment to learn a new tool. Like you want to mm-hmm. learn new things when um, they add more value to you, you know? Yeah. And so I really spent a lot of time learning Photoshop and and really diving in to try to understand it because it's a big program. And I was like, oh, great, now we got Sketch. got to learn Sketch. Everybody's talking about Sketch. So it took me, I was like two years later, right? Two years. Yeah. It was a long time. Wow. So like after it's like really hyped up, even after that, you're yeah, like... Yeah, like Sketch 3, I think. Nice, okay. Then it was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And so I took an afternoon, came back from lunch, and I'm like, all right, doing it. And then I sat down and did a project in Sketch, just like a beginning to end in Sketch, and was like just totally shocked at how fast I got it done. Mm-hmm. 
And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to. I think I deleted. I think I deleted Adobe. Wow. I that's, think that afternoon. That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. <laughs> so, so what really pushed you over the edge was um, the peer pressure is what you're saying. Uh, to get me started? Yeah. Probably, yeah. Okay. Because I was just, a, I, was a, I was super skeptical of like, no, nah, this one's not going to be any better than any other tool that we've mm. used, right? Downloading Sketch and turning Sketch on was faster than launching Photoshop. <laughs> so from that, from right there, it was like, oh, I can see a, I can see a great benefit is I don't have to, I don't have to see that, you know, Devin Takamori did this in Photoshop with their credit screen, right? Yeah. It was like, oh, this is going to be more efficient because it's easier. But yeah, then just using it, like it was just way easier, more efficient. Mm-hmm. I picked it up real fast and was like, oh, if, if I can pick it up, I'm like, geez. Imagine a real designer picking this up. <laughs> real designer. <laughs> did you, when did you, because you, you're an illustrator guy, right? Yeah. I mean, you still use Illustrator, but what was your sketch experience like learning sketch? Yeah, like it was um, literally just like downloading a trial and kind of playing with it here and there and just just diving in a little bit. Like, again, just like I said before, like I like to try out other things, but I mostly was on the surface level um, for a long time. Um, so until needed to use sketch, I didn't really use it. Mm-hmm. I was mostly using like like my, my first job as a UX designer. I was most I started with Illustrator. And I used that for a little while. And then I used Adobe XD for quite some time. And then I played with Sketch a lot. And then finally I just decided to switch into Sketch. But it wasn't it wasn't really like um, it was more of a need of like Adobe XD just didn't have everything that it that I needed as a designer. And so then I, I decided to move into Sketch after having played with it a little bit. It's you can't you can't take a tool like that and just like fiddle with it and learn it. Yeah. Like you have to have a project to do. Yeah. And that's what I did initially. Like I just kind of got in. It's like, okay, this has like a pen tool, like Illustrator. This has layers. This has, you know, like I just kind of played with like how it functions as opposed to actually doing a project. Yeah. Like you draw a rectangle. Yeah. And add a drop shadow. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm you're good. like, well, this does everything that Photoshop <laughs> does or this does everything that Illustrator does. That's all I need. Yeah. And then, but until you actually like, like you can't just dip your toe in the pool and really understand why it was built, right? Yeah. I did that with Figma. Mm-hmm. If there's any people out, do you, I mean, did you ever play with Figma? Uh, yeah, that's, that's what the, my, the extent of what I did. Like, I haven't really designed anything from start to finish. Yeah, Figma. I did the same thing. I did Figma. I dipped my toe in the water <laughs> a little bit. And then I was like, I didn't see any value to it. But partially because, like, at the time, it was, like, all about this revolutionary pen tool. Mm. And I don't really care. Like, I'm not doing a ton of logos or anything that I need like a real crazy pen tool for I'm, I mean, I'm a product designer. I draw boxes and arrows, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so you put I put drop I, shadows on those boxes. Yeah. I put drop shadows <laughs> on those boxes and change the fill color. Yeah. <laughs> like we're scrapbookers. Um, so, but like, so that one didn't really add that much value. And then I heard about the team thing and I was like, that just seems like a, that just seems like a car crash to me. Like maybe I'm actually curious to try it. I've never tried it with another human being. <laughs> I think I think one day we should get all of our designers together. We should do it, and we should try to design something. We should, yeah, we should have a design studio one day. Get all seven of us in there and like, just be like, hey, let's do a project together. Yeah, I want to see what that's like because it, it might be amazing. Because it could be could be a super sweet collaboration tool. Mm-hmm. We don't know, but I had the same impression. Like, who am I really gonna? Like, I could see somebody like watching me design, but I would hate that. That's like somebody watching you over your shoulder. Yeah, I can't do that. So. Be all shaky and nervous the whole time. Like, what are they doing? Yeah, it's like 
that that pen curve isn't right. <laughs> more drop shadow, more drop shadow. I think I think too. I learn tools that way. Like I have to jump in. I have to have a project, but I also can't jump into a project half baked either. When I try to learn a new tool, like if I already have some assets in Sketch, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it's worth it for me to jump into like take those assets, replicate them in this new tool, and yeah. then go from there. Like it's got to be like a clean start. Mm-hmm. I think I think that gives you the most insight as to how like this product fits for your needs, right? Like. Um, otherwise, you already created all these things somewhere else. You already like did all the hard work. You're just recreating it. Like it's yeah. going from the mental model of zero to a design. I think is important. I agree. I was like the one thing about Sketch I like too is like um, all the SVGs I already had that I created in Illustrator or something like that. Like icons, icon set. Um, a lot of that stuff I could just open in Sketch mm-hmm. with minimal. Uh, you know, I had to tweak a few things maybe. But like I could basically open up any file I wanted to in Sketch and continue working on it. Yeah. From other from other places, like even even like an AI file, like or I could copy and paste, or I could do something. Like it was really easy for me to jump into, versus other design tools that I've tried. It's like, oh yeah, I want to put this in, but I have this whole icon set library icon set that I've already devoted a ton of time to, right? And like you t- you were talking about. Um, and if it doesn't open up in this new program, like, screw it. I'm not going to use it. Yeah. Like, why would I? You have to do it all over again. Yeah. From from just a learning new things side, Andy, like, is it beneficial just to learn new things to learn new things, like from design tools? or? Um, I, I think it is in the sense that um, you get to kind of practice your learning. Like, um, otherwise, if you just stick to the same thing your entire career, it's, it's going to be doing something for you. You're, you're getting the job done, right? But I think learning something new kind of makes you step outside of the box and it kind of helps exercise your brain, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think for that, that sake is it's important. And you might even find something that you didn't know you didn't have, like yeah. somewhere else. Like maybe, you know, you actually find that, um, that Figma feature of people working together is actually super helpful for you but that's not in Sketch, and you had no idea it was in Figma. Like, you could find this and be like, oh, this is great. I, this is actually could really help my workflow. Yeah. Um, so th- th- there might be some features that you're missing that you just don't know about. Well, I like what you said, too, uh, learning to learn for learning's sake. It's mm-hmm. a lot of learnings. Um, but, yeah, like, we sh- you should be, I think, and I need to be better at this because I, I, uh, I get, I go Clint Eastwood, and I don't want to learn things sometimes. But I think, yeah, learning, just even trying out new things, like trying out new design tools every once in a while, just being like, oh, yeah, and maybe maybe that would be beneficial, or just practicing your learning, right? Like if something new comes up and I'm forced to use it or something like that, I can pick it up in a decent yeah. amount of time without you know ruining my entire life. Uh, Dayton talked about that when we interviewed him. He did. Let's move into, should we move into the interview with Dayton? Uh, I think it's time. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, let's go ahead and we'll listen to the interview with Dayton. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. I've been a long-time listener. Uh, first-time caller? First-time caller. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm excited to hang out and uh, talk about some stuff. Good. We're, we're really excited to have you. And uh, today, we want to go over with you what it, what it is like to like learn new tools. What are some of the favorite tools that you use? Yeah, so... Um, 
Uh, if you start at the very beginning, pen and paper. Um, usually that's to just kind of write out my thoughts. Like if I don't know what I, you know, we've talked with the product manager, we've talked to users and it's like, okay, what are we really trying to do here? Uh, and then I'll usually go straight into sketch, um, do a lot of wireframing or exploration in sketch. Uh, once I feel good about where it's at in sketch, I'll usually take it to envision for click through type stuff, just to make sure the workflow's right. Usually I'll, I'll uncover uh, like gaps or interactions that I hadn't thought about before that would need to be addressed. Uh, and then if I have time and if it makes sense, do something in either principle or framer. Um, principle's great for those micro interactions and getting something out fairly quickly. And then framer, of course, the sky's the limit for if you need something more complicated. Okay. Awesome. And then, so you like to use those for your, for prototyping? Yes. Awesome. So use principle for more motion and framer for more, like more interactive, as you said. Awesome. So do you think overall as a designer, it's important to learn new tools? Um, absolutely. I think there's, I mean, for one thing, we haven't really settled on what the best tool is yet. There's so much competition in the space. Uh, everybody's trying to, trying to come at it from a different angle, but no one's really uh, the winner other than like Envision. You know, for click-through stuff, hands down Envision. We've tried other tools here at Canopy, uh, but came back to Envision because for that niche, they've nailed it. Um, but uh, for designers, there's so much... Uh, uh, I guess to take a step back, I feel like designers uh, need to understand the medium that their uh, designs will live in. So that's code. Uh, so I think the closer you can get to code or understanding how code works, the better your designs will be. And I think a lot of the tools these days are trying to build that gap between, or build that bridge, I should say, uh, between design and development. And I think the closer we can come and engineers can come or the tools can help us, uh, the better we'll be. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. And I like how you said, like, right now we're at a place where a lot of these different tools are coming from different directions, right? It's kind of like the wild, wild west of, of tools. There's wild, so many different, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many different, um, tools out there. There's not just one that like every designer is expected to use. Right. Yeah. So, um, that being said, like, how often should you try to learn new tools? Like, should should we take the time to try out all of these tools? Or should we just, like, learn one, stick with it, and then learn another one if we need to? What do you think? Yeah, so I've definitely gone down the path of, uh, you know, what's the shiniest thing? It seems like every week there's a new tool or something. Uh, and it's like, oh, man, I want to go play with that. And because in my mind I'm thinking, oh, man, this is going to be the silver bullet that's going to magically help me be a better designer. Um, but the more and more I've done that and been disappointed, uh, the more I realize like it should really be based on necessity. Like if there is a lack of functionality in the, your current tool set, uh, then that should really be the driver for going out and finding a new tool. Uh, like I said before, I think if you've got something like Envision, something like Principle, something like Framer that covers the gamut, uh, and there's really no need for for anything else unless you went you know straight to code. But uh, yeah, I think it's fun. So if that uh, if that's something you enjoy, I think you should totally do it and uh, keep looking for something that fits your workflow. But 
in my experience, playing around with a bunch of different tools all the time ends up wasting my time and the company's time. And uh, these tools really need some time to mature before they're really production ready. Okay, awesome. So do you think that learning a new tool is a skill? I think learning is a skill, yes. Learning is a skill. Yeah, awesome. so that would apply to tools, yeah. Awesome. So how, how would you develop that skill of learning? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so uh, I, th- I think like any, new, any skill, you just have to practice at it. Um, right now I'm taking piano lessons, for example, uh, and it sucks because I'm a beginner and there's all these things I want to do that I can't do. Um, but I feel like I've been able to pick it up maybe a little bit quicker because I have, I think this is just something innate with myself that I like to learn new things. So like I said, I've gone out and tried uh, to knock over microphones and been quite <laughs> successful. Um, but yeah, so I've gone out and tried uh, lots of different tools and I feel like I'm always trying new apps, trying to figure stuff out. So I feel like it's a muscle that my brain has uh, uh, gotten a good workout uh, in. And so uh, I feel like practice, trying new things, trying to understand where the creators were coming from. And you start to see a lot of overlap, like, oh man, humans tend to think this way. And so lots of tools are kind of built around these mental models. And, mm. and uh, so, yeah, once you start to see those patterns over and over again, your brain will just kind of start picking up speed and, and acquiring new tools. Awesome. Well, that's great. So uh, let's, dive, let's dive a little bit deeper. Let's talk about a specific tool. Um, let's talk about Framer. Sweet. So uh, could you introduce Framer kind of on a high level to our listeners that may not be familiar with it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you think of the prototyping tools on a spectrum, on the low end, you've got uh, something like InVision where you've got static images that you've just kind of linked together and you can kind of click through them. On the other side of that spectrum is like production level um, code, JavaScript, backend, um, things that your uh, engineers are building. Framer tends to lean more on the code side. So you're actually writing out code uh, it's called CoffeeScript, which is a flavor of JavaScript uh, that's a little bit easier to read and, and write. Um, but it's not, it's not like Sketch. It's not a design tool. It's more you're thinking in code. You're thinking like an engineer. And uh, so there's definitely a learning curve when it comes to that. Okay. So definitely a learning curve. It sounds like it's a pretty big learning curve. Yeah. As opposed to other programs, like maybe Principle is like more user-friendly probably easier to to learn yeah so it's kind of like you know you think of like the uh gui uh, uh what does gui stand for graphical, graphical user, interface. user interface yeah so you think of a graphical user interface versus like the command line so like when dos you know came out it, it was all command line you've got terminal on your mac um and that's where code and framer kind of live so it's that mentality you're not like pointing and clicking on things for the most part to get stuff done. With principle, there's a lot more of that where you're kind of just setting up two states and then all the magic kind of happens uh, beneath the hood. And uh, whereas Framer, you get a lot more control, but that comes with a lot more complexity. So, okay. Yeah. Awesome. So why did you want to use Framer then? 
Yeah, so I think it was driven by uh, a need. Um, I remember we were at our old building uh, at Canopy. We're in the five-man room, uh, and I think it was me, Patrick was there, Tim Hansen, uh, rest in peace, was there. Rest in peace. Uh, (laughs) um, And we were talking about tools, and uh, we talked about the different merits of different tools. We were looking at Atomic. I think that was a popular one uh, within the company at the time. Because really what we wanted to do was do like uh, text inputs and, uh, you know, some of those, uh, because we have a lot of forms in our app, it was like, man, it'd be great if we could actually prototype and usability test a form and see what people are actually inputting into these fields. So that was kind of the impetus for it. It was like, yeah, we've got some advanced interactions. We want to get some content from people and find out how they're actually going to be using these forms. So we looked at the prototyping tool landscape and there weren't a lot of options. And it was kind of like, well, if we had a knowledge and grasp of Framer, we could really do anything. Uh, we could do a click-through prototype with that, although it wasn't built for that, you can still do it. Uh, and then you can do all the things you could do with principle all the way up to you know code. So okay, seemed like, wow, if we could nail Framer, then we'd be set. Uh, I don't think we realized how big of a learning curve it had at the time. But, uh, but yeah, that's where it started. Okay, so, so you identified a need. So we, we have all these interactions that are a lot more um, complicated than what you can do with something else like Envision. Right. And they're not just straight up motion, right? It's like we actually want to do a text input and all this, those crazy fields and all that stuff. So um, you decide, because we have these needs, we need to learn Framer. You Going into it, you know it's a huge learning curve. There's a lot of code and everything. So, so you learned that on your own. Like you, did you teach yourself Framer? Did you take any classes? Did you have somebody teach you? Like, how did you actually learn it? So at the very beginning, I didn't have uh, any books or anything. I think I just started with the example projects. Um, and then there was something, I, I remember I picked a small thing that I wanted to do or what I thought was small, uh, which was like animate some checkboxes. <laughs> and it was like, uh, and I, I remember talking to Andy a lot about this when, when we were doing this. Um, it was like, yeah, just animate some checkboxes and, and like update a count with how many boxes are checked and unchecked and stuff. Uh, and I may have done stuff before this, but um, yeah, so I had this project in mind. I tried to set the scope really small and then just go for it. And I remember having to ask like the engineers for some help, Googling a ton. Um, uh, but yeah. That's, I think those were some of the first things I did. Don't they have a, doesn't Framer have a pretty deep Facebook community too? Yes. Yeah, there's a really good Facebook community. Uh, they also have a Slack group, um, which isn't as uh, uh, active, I guess. Um, but yeah, nowadays, and maybe these things existed, but nowadays I'm reading the Framer book, uh, which has come out by Tess Matt, I believe is his name. Uh, it's really awesome, kind of goes through the fundamentals. The documentation uh, has been super helpful. Oh, I guess, yeah, I referred a lot to the documentation. We okay. were just getting started out. Um, but, yeah, the documentation, reading the Framer book, and, uh, yeah, then just trial and error, copying pasting from other people's stuff. And I'm still in no ways, uh, you know, an advanced Framer user. I'm still in the beginning stages, but... But I've definitely seen some progress. <clears throat> okay. What what resource has been the most valuable to you? Yeah, so I'd say um, 
the most valuable has been the product hive community. Um, there's a few big players on there, uh, Taylor Palmer, Dave Crow, Joe Rennie, uh, and others who are advanced. Just name dropping all over the place. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Shout out to my framer peeps. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I've been stuck a number of times and then I've reached out to those guys and they've been able to help me through it. Um, so that's been the most valuable outside of that. Uh, like I said, I've been reading this framer book, which is great because it just kind of goes over everything and gives you a strong foundation. Um, and then the other thing is uh, Tess Gad, I believe has these medium articles that are really awesome that just kind of talk about what a page component is, what a scroll component is, and, you know, how they work. And then, uh, so just following along her examples uh, have been super helpful too. I think it's a girl, Tess, I just kind of assumed. So there's something a little bit back there that you said that, that kind of stuck out to me. So when you initially started, like you, you're going, you had all of these resources um, to, to learn Framer, but you started out with a project. And you said you have a scope of this project and then you, so you set a goal that you wanted to do something, right? Yeah. Do you think it's important to do, to learn something in that way where you actually just like actually have to do something, create something in a program as opposed to maybe learn every single function that it can do? Because there's a million things that Framer can do, right? Like how do you, what do you think is the best method in actually trying to learn Framer? Yeah, I'd say uh, those are the times when I got the most validation. So when I uh, worked on a small project and then got it working, it was super fulfilling, right? I felt like this JavaScript ninja, like, oh man, I'm getting underpaid. <laughs> and, like, um, and that propelled me to want to keep going. So having these small wins all the time really made me think, oh yeah, I can do this. I can get a grasp on this. And there were still plenty of things I didn't understand, but I felt like I could uh, learn those things and continue moving forward. So, yeah, if I were to give advice to other people in my boat of learning Framer, it'd be like, yeah, pick a really small project and figure it out and then pick another small project and figure it out. Um, but, yeah, you can spend all your time reading about the theory or trying to learn CoffeeScript in its entirety, but mm -hmm. um, I think your time would be better spent working on something. Okay, great. And... What other ways would you, like, say somebody comes to you, like we get like a, a junior designer on the team, and they say, I want to learn Framer. So other than maybe saying like what you just said, like take a small project and try to figure it out, is there any other ways that you would mentor somebody in learning this program? Yeah, I think there's definitely like, um, I feel like you could take two approaches when uh, using something like Framer. One is to like um, just... I feel like you could either try and understand what's going on and the way Framer thinks about things, or you could just try to use what limited knowledge you have and try and make something with that. Like, for example, I remember when I first started out, I did a lot of like show hide logic, and that was basically how I did everything. So I had this gigantic file, and it was like, on click of this button, show these three things and hide these 53 other things, and then and it just became unmanageable. So then I started learning about for loops and other things that will help speed that up. Um, but uh, anyways, I guess uh, kind of last, what was the question? Is how you would like mentor somebody. Oh yeah, so I think if a junior designer came to me and was asking like, all right, I wanna learn Framer, I'd say, okay, 
uh, it's going to be super helpful if I help you get off the ground. So let's go work together on, again, a sample small project and we're going to figure it out together. I'm going to be there to answer questions because there's so many questions and it's a whole different paradigm. Uh, it's not like using Sketch or you know some other tool that designers are familiar with. It's code, which is a completely different skill set and mindset to be in. So having somebody there that can kind of translate like, oh, this is kind of like a Sketch symbol, but not. Or like, oh, yeah, this JavaScript object kind of looks like this. And we could write on the board and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, if you could find a mentor, uh, or in this case, if somebody came to me, I'd be like, yeah, let's sit down together because that's going to get you farther, faster. Okay, great. So do you think if you were to do it all over again, like learning Framer from the beginning, that you would probably get a mentor for yourself as well? Oh yeah. I mean, it's easier said than done, um, but especially if there were somebody on my design team that knew the tool, and this would apply to any tool, um, yeah, I think trying to Google it or read other people's opinions versus having a sit-down conversation with someone about it, uh, I think the one-on-one -on -one conversation would trump uh, every time. All right. Well, that's awesome. Um, I don't have any other questions. Patrick, do you have any questions for Danon? Um, <clears throat> the, so the, the framer design tool? Yeah. Have you played around with that much? Yeah, the design tab. So... Um, they released that, I can't remember, a few months ago, and it was okay. Um, it didn't really interact with the code tab very well, so it was kind of, uh, there wasn't a large point to it. If you had Sketch, there was really no point in designing in Framer because it was just limited. They've since added a lot more functionality um, to the design and code so you can uh, have them interact a lot more closely. So that's actually been really helpful. Um, I did a small project recently where I designed everything in Framer and then kind of pieced it together. But again, it's you can't think of it like you would do it in Sketch with artboards and you know states of here's one state on an artboard, here's another state on an artboard. It's kind of like, and this was something Joe Rennie taught me, was like, yeah, if you break out all the components in your into artboards, essentially, and then kind of piece them all together on the code side, it works a lot better. Um, so I think they're adding a lot of improvements to that, and I think that's the future where they want to go, is have the design tab and the code tab uh, more seamless, but I, th I think they're still not quite there. So to, so to clarify that, because that, that was one thing when I was playing around that I didn't understand at all, was like, I'm used to like, I'm going to do all my artboards and all my work, like I'm going to design a workflow yeah. Right. And then I want to put that into Sketch some, or into into Framer somehow. But even on import, it doesn't do that. So like on the design tool, you're saying like, if I have a if I have let's just say I have, I'm do I have the background interface and I've got a trigger button on that that's going to trigger a modal. What you're saying is is you do instead of doing the states of a workflow, you would do the modal as an artboard kind of thing. Yeah, so like, uh, for example, let's say you've got a page with a top nav and a side nav and then a content in the middle and there's a button somewhere that triggers a modal. Mm -hmm. So like all those different pieces, like the top nav, you wouldn't have on every artboard. You would have one top nav component and then you would just put that into your framer uh, space. I don't know, canvas, whatever you call it. Um, so you just kind of build all these pieces and anything that was shared across artboards like you would do in sketch uh, would just be one item in framer and then you'd call it when you need it and then you'd have a button on there 
that would yeah then launch the modal. Okay, so yeah, we we you would definitely design it more, um, like symbol based. If you're used to symbols in Sketch, yeah, those are what you're actually designing. You're not designing. Then you would probably use the code, right, to put the things together to make the views. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a lot more like modular, um, you know, component-based, like you said, which is getting into like the code side of things, right? Like mm -hmm. that's how engineers think about code. Um, and and we're starting to think that way with sketch symbols and, you know, libraries and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, the more you can kind of get into that mindset, the better. So one more higher philosophical question then. Because uh, when we're designing a user experience, we're designing those views and how a user is going to go through all those views. Um, so if you transition your thinking into, um, I'm designing components for these views, then are you losing? Are you losing that broader view? Like you're really now in the details, right? You're in the weeds of it instead of viewing the whole picture. Can you can you do that in Framer? Can you design like the workflow in Framer? Yeah, you could, and this is kind of where I think it breaks down. Is like, at this point, I still think it makes sense to start in Sketch and do your workflow, have your 20 artboards or whatever that's, you know, a task. And then, and then once you feel like you have a good handle on that, then say, okay, what are my shared components here? And let's build those again in Framer design and then piece them all together. In and Framer then be able code. to use them easily. Because really it could, like you said, it could, it could bridge the gap between like taking a user flow, taking that navigation, putting it in Framer, and then being able to use that navigation instead of writing it all out. Right. Okay. I'm starting to see. Are things more clear now? <laughs> things are clear. Are clear-ish. The rain is gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was great. Do you have do you have any other questions? Um, I have no other questions. Is there anything that you would like to add? Wasn't prepared for that. That was the best. That's the best question mm -hmm. of the interview. I guess my my personal opinion, and I think everyone should uh, feel this way, is that, uh, and I think I talked about this a little bit before, but knowing code or knowing how code works, uh, I think will make you a better designer. I don't think it's necessary. You don't have to. But, uh, you know, Johnny Ive talks a lot about how the material makes or breaks, you know, what you can do with a piece of metal is different than what you can do with a piece of wood. So understanding what components you're working with will affect the design. And, you know, we know that's true. We know there are limits to what engineers can do versus what we could, you know, make up in sketch. Um, but I think the more we can think like an engineer, but also retain our design sense, um, I think the better off we'll be, which is tough because they're totally different mindsets. Um, and if you spend all day thinking about how you're going to code something up, you're not thinking about how you can optimize the user experience. So it's a trade-off, but I think there needs to be uh, a balance there, and it's something that uh, I've seen value from. So. so would you say the middle ground is using more programs like Framer that bring you closer to that developer mindset? Yeah, that's obviously the path I've chosen, so I think it's the best um, because it's it's the most human, or I guess not human, but designer-friendly code uh, that's out there. But it still causes you to think in terms of engineering. Um, so I think it's a good middle ground, but uh, yeah, it, it's, still, it's still code at the end of the day. 
and I haven't done anything really complicated. Uh, when I start to think about how I would build like a 50 screen complex uh, prototype that I could put together and envision fairly quickly in Framer, it's like, oh man, mind numbing. And that's when I would again have to reach out to some of these pros and say, okay, how would you even go about thinking to do this? So, <clears throat> sounds good. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for being on. Next time, we'll have to bring you back on and talk about your book. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, you'll, you'll uh, maybe, put a link in the show notes. Right? Yeah, we'll put a link to we'll put a link to Dan's book I in the show notes. We didn't get to my book. We we didn't have time, but ne- we'll bring you back on. We'll talk about it. We that was a paradigm we didn't want to do is bring people on that had written books. Yeah. Ooh. So for a long time, we were like debating whether we should bring you on, but yeah. because your book is so awesome and is about uh, it's it's about having a better forehand. So. Uh, yeah, there's actually a, a series of books. Uh, oh, there's a series. One is about the forehand. Uh, the other is about the serve. The serve. Yeah. Uh, okay. uh, is there a backhand? Uh, backhand book. coming uh, later 2020. So, uh, Andy, that was a great, <laughs> great interview with Danon. That was a good that one. That was a good interview yeah, with Danon. Yeah. He's good. Yeah, I liked him. He's a pretty good guy. He's tall. Yeah. You can follow him around. But I think our listeners know, you can just hear that in his voice. He's just really tall. Yeah, you can so. hear it in his, you can, you can really hear it in his voice. Mm-hmm. Not that it's low or, yeah, whatever. I don't know if a tall person has a different voice. I think a lot of the times they just sound really far away because they're so tall and they're away from the microphone. Because their head is up in the sky yeah. and the microphones can't go that high. Yeah. It's, like, it's like interviewing a giraffe, right? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, no, but what from that interview, from what he talked about in the interview with the Framer interview, uh, what, what lessons, what was like your one key takeaway from that or two, two key takeaways? Two key takeaways. Um, I think one thing that was really important is kind of learning uh, when you're when you're going to learn a new tool is kind of setting that goal like this is a small project that I'm going to do and not just do the thing that I mentioned before where um, you're kind of going and learning how the tool works but you're really mm-hmm. like doing a project in the tool yeah. so you set the goal of I'm going to accomplish this and then you're going to go try to actually accomplish that um, that was a huge thing that that kind of stood out to me as, as a mm-hmm. good way to learn something. Um, and I think uh, another big one is um, that he mentioned was choosing to learn a new tool. Like if you're really going to do a deep dive and do that project and really learn something, it should have like, uh, you should have a reason for it. Like maybe something for business needs. Like I, he mentioned um, he wanted to learn Framer for a lot of specific reasons to help enhance his prototyping workflow, um, something that other programs didn't have. Um, so I think so you're not wasting your time or, you know, the time of your business. You're, you're not um, learning something just because it's shiny and new. You're learning something for an actual reason. Yeah. And there's a there's a deliverable or something on the other end that you can use. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A um, couple of things I learned. Learned those things. I learned those things as well. Oh, okay. Right? That's great. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, he talked about learning in small bites. And that kind of goes back to... Uh, like when I was learning sketch, right? Mm-hmm. Like I took a small project. It was a real project, but it was small. Yeah. So I could kind of see how the whole thing worked. And I liked how he said that about like learning framer in small bites, but also 
um, just learning anything in small bites. Would, like you would, can, you, would you say like learning something in a bite size way? Like oh, oh shit, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> that, that's that's what I got from you too, man. It just dawned on me, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like learning something in small and smaller bites. <laughs> like pick a small project and something that gives you like a realistic project, like you talked about, something that's real, right? Mm-hmm. That that has like real components to it, not like a fake practice mock type thing, but like a real thing, but something that's small enough that you can do it. Like he was talking about the inputs and gathering inputs um, and learning how to do that. <clears throat> and maybe not even learning everything about the tool, but learning the value of the tool, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, just to piggyback with that is he talked about when he was doing that, that provided him with um, with wins, like validation that this tool was it was going to be good. He knew it was going to take a long time for him to learn it and still was learning it, right? But those like small victories helped him kind of stay focused and and, and being like, yeah, this is going to add a lot of value if I stick with it mm-hmm. rather than bailing. The other thing that the other thing they brought up um, that I think is really important too was just uh, learning requires practice. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about that with uh, like Nick. We talked about with Ashley already. Like on the long history of this podcast, that practices came up almost in every interview, right? Well, like even when I interviewed you, you brought up practice. Is it a conspiracy? I think it's a conspiracy. Oh, man. So everybody should just be practicing all the time. Practice? Yeah. Wow. I think I think we are talking about practice. <laughs> but like, uh, no, like even learning as a skill in and of itself just requires practice which which makes me believe that i should i should not be clint eastwood get off my lawn about new design tools and i should at least try new design tools yeah like when envision studio first announced i was really bitter and skeptical like i was like yeah (laughs) another design tool no way but like if we ever get an invite to it like it's going to be really i want to play with it like i want to check it out it it looks like it could actually add a lot of value so i mean i think that's the key word is this going to add value to your workflow yeah or is it just going to like be kind of shiny and you you said you can say you played with it yeah so well then maybe you have like the value of learning to learn right is uh Mm -hmm. like what kind of what dana was talking about like even if i have the tool that i use like even if i have sketch like is there another tool that I could use that I could, you know, that occasionally maybe that comes up that I can learn and teach me to learn that tool and it'll pop in and I'll be like, yeah, I can take value from that. Yeah. Even though it's not that like maybe it doesn't become my main thing. Like Envision prototype, Envision's probably my main prototyping tool for like UX or interface design. I don't yeah. use Principle that often, but um, a couple of times I need to use Principle. Sometimes I feel like I got to relearn the whole thing and that's because I'm not good. Like, I feel like I need to work on that skill, right? I yeah. To, I need to work on uh, that skill of learning something in a more efficient manner. I like it, man. You should you should do that now. Yeah. Is that your New Year's resolution? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, do you, I'm you, do you have Do you have New Year's resolutions? No, I don't do that thing. I no. don't do it either. I think, it's, I think it's lame. You should just have goals all the time. It doesn't matter if it's January. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you have anything else? Um, Anything I, else on the on the top of your mind there on your brain? I, I think that's it for me. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap. 
so we learned a lot. We hope you learned something today. If you did, go ahead and tell us. Uh, just just drop us a, a tweet or something on on the twitters. We're at at design underscore much. Um, and if you have any questions or comments, just uh, hit us with a DM on there too. Uh, but tell us what you learned. We we'd be interested to know. So if you're out there on Twitter or whatever, uh, hit us, uh, drop us a line. I think that's what they say. That's what the kids say. Drop us a line. So, um, and tell us what you learned from any of the episodes of the podcast thus far. If you're listening to us on iTunes, just go ahead and rate us right now. That apparently is a good thing for all the podcasts to do. Um, and we'd like to thank Danan for joining us and teaching us some more good stuff. We'd also like to thank you guys for listening. Um, and as always, be excellent to each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I need to work on my closing line. <laughs> thank you for listening to Design Much. It's been real, fam. More drop shadow, more drop shadow.